Welcome to Flow with Armand Asadi. Welcome, welcome. I am really stoked about this episode. I just wrapped it up. And um, so John Sherwin and I, the co-founder of Hydrant, did not know each other prior to this interview. But as I talk about, as the interview starts, John's team reached out to me to be on the show. And ironically, like three or four days before that, I was on Hydrant's website. And I was like, wow, the branding, the marketing, the product, this is so interesting. And so when they reached out, I was just like, that's a weird synchronicity. I love the product. And I would love to talk science with this guy and truth and just dig into a bunch of stuff and flow and see where it goes. And that's exactly what we did today. Like we literally just kicked off talking about in this day and age of mass confusion, how does a person think how do they decide what is reality? What is truth? Um, what is really the role of the scientific method in everyday life? Where is it flawed? And so on and so on and so on. And the difference between objective truth and relative truth and the and the polarity that we're seeing in the world today. And I'm sure John was just like, what the fuck? I did not expect <laughs> to talk to you about that stuff. But that just made for such a unique and incredible conversation. And then, of course, we dug into John's entrepreneurial journey with Hydrant, um, the incredible success he's had, the things that keep him up at night. I mean, he is creating an incredible business. And as he uh, mentioned during the interview as well, they're in Walmart nationwide now. So, so many incredible things to learn from this episode. Uh, I'm really, really excited. So before we kick off, two things. Obviously, if you're listening for the first time or you're not already subscribed, Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you're listening. Hit that subscribe button. Episodes are going live every Tuesday morning right now, and you'll get notified. And secondly, the show notes and everything that we talk about for this episode is at armonasadi.com. Um, under podcast, you'll see everything. Um, and I guess there is a third as well. I would love to hear what you think about the episode. Just shoot me a DM on Instagram at armonasadi or... Uh, and just as you're listening along, like if anything stands out, let me know. Or you can text me directly at 619-825-2595. And if you text me there, I'll send you a free gift. All right. All right. Without further ado, John Sherwin, the co-founder of Hydrant. Let's do this. Where are you right now, John? So right now I am uh, I'm at my parents' house in the UK. I am uh, in the oh. attic quarantining. Wow. Uh, just came over from the States for the holiday. So yeah, uh, there's a nice 14 day quarantine period to contend with. Yeah. So you have to quarantine for 14 days in the UK, correct? And That's then, right. yeah, yeah. I, can, out. I almost considered it, but I was like that. I might go crazy if I have to do that. I don't think I could do that. I've been, I'm one of those crazy people that is actually taking the risk of traveling too. And, uh, I travel a lot typically. And so I just got back from Tahiti, Morea, oh, wow. French Polynesia, because it was one of the the few places that uh, as Americans we can go right now. So I was like, yeah, I, I got you. you. Grew up in New York, right? No, so I, I actually grew up here in Bath uh, in the UK. So oh, born small, born in New York, but grew up yeah, grew up in the UK. Right. Exactly okay. right. That's what it was. Yeah, I'm back in New York. Uh, that's where I live normally. Uh, this mm -hmm. is just you know for the holiday period getting over yeah. to the UK. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, thanks for making the time. It's good to connect. I, um, yeah. you know, I, uh, when your team reached out, it was actually very ironic. I don't know if they told you about this, but I, uh, you're, you're literally, I think the first guest I've had on the show that I didn't already have a prior relationship with. And so oh, I'm excited for this because it's a very different twist. Um, almost everyone I think I've at some capacity engaged with. And so this is going to be really fun for me. Um, and the reason that I said yes, one, one of the reasons, is because I ironically had been on your website maybe three days before that, <laughs> before that email that I got from your team. And the reason is, is because your company is... Um, an incredible example of great branding and marketing. And obviously, this is a, a product-focused business, but what really stood out, and there's so much science behind everything that you've done, and there's integrity, and there's a pioneering aspect to the direction you're taking things. But also, the marketing is dialed in, man. Like, it's, it's really good. I was looking at one of your advertorials. I was looking at, the, obviously, the website in general. And it's just 
all the best practices and beautiful branding. So kudos like all around on the journey so far. I appreciate it. We, we have a great team. I certainly can't take credit for all of it. Um, there are some, some great people at Hydrant who, who bring it to life every day. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, the space that you're in, um, we'll call it like an ingestible of some kind yeah. is really challenging. Um, has it been challenging for you to have gone into that space or were you always like, yeah, I know there will be some obstacles, but I'm not, I'm not too worried about all that. Yeah. I mean, there, there've been a ton of challenges that I, I would say we did not plan for, but I, I never even planned to be in this industry in the first place. Right. I studied mm-hmm. science. So, uh, the, the kind of the journey here was strange to say the least. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily make sense, but I'm glad that, uh, I'm able to still use what I studied at university, um, mm-hmm. to kind of further our company. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, to your point, like the ingestible space, it is tough in that it's very saturated. There's a lot of players in here yes. right now. Um, there's low barriers to entry, but at the same time, uh, I think people are like, like we're hitting really important moments in time. People are becoming more aware mm-hmm. of their health and wellness and more aware, particularly that, uh, you need to take a proactive approach to your health, which mm-hmm. is kind of like what I view the definition of wellness as being. Sure. They're always sort of like slightly <laughs> nebulous terms, but I think wellness is really a proactive approach to your health. And so, um, you know, we, we, it may be competitive, but we're also riding a wave. And so we're yes. very grateful for that. Yeah. More market timing, product fit, um, extremely important things as a company, as an entrepreneur. And, you know, it doesn't really matter how saturated a market is. If you're innovative enough, I think the combination of product and marketing, when those two things are dialed in in the right way um it's possible to innovate in a saturated market and a lot of people say like don't go into these markets that are already overly saturated and competitive but i don't know man i beg to differ you're an example of that so uh, again i think props but i'm i'm actually glad you you mentioned that um your background your education and that's actually a, a core part of where i wanted to start and just kind of uh, uh explore with you sure. one of the things that is extremely challenging in the world today as a human being is identifying what is true from what is false. We live in a world today where there are two sort of uh, movements of thoughts simultaneously occurring. One is saying that truth is subjective. It's relative. There is no such thing as truth. And the other side, and it's all my perspective and don't fuck with me and don't disagree with right. me and, yeah. and so yeah. on and so forth. And I'm sure you've seen it. And the other side is saying, well, there's a fundamental truth to everything and I have the answer. <laughs> right. There's a narrow space in the middle, if you ask me, a narrow path, we'll call it, where both are true and can be true. And it takes the skill of knowing how to think and knowing how to learn and knowing how to identify what is true. This is something that unfortunately most of humanity is not taught, but I have a feeling that you're good at it because one of the things I learned about you is, you know, the work that you've done in in your education and having to review academic literature, for example, and understand what is true from what is not, do these meta-analyses, look at one study, compare it to another study, and understand the biases that were included possibly in each of these studies. I mean, it's a lot. So my question to you is, how do you approach it and how should a human being approach it in their everyday life? Like across any landscape, like say I just wanted to identify if, I don't know, I'm just going to maybe something similar. Like is dairy bad for me or is it good for me? That's a fucking hard question. Yeah. It's a huge one. <laughs> huge one. I, so I think like there's, there's a couple of key points here. I, I, I like to say that what I got, it was a, a kind of, um, a degree in uh, cynicism to some extent, like everything you look at, you want to question it. You want to be like, okay, 
um, you know, I, I see these statistical results are giving me, uh, you know, a statistically significant outcome. Let's think, like you said, like, let's think about those biases. Who paid for this study? And you can take that to the nth degree where it becomes kind of um, not fruitful. It, it, it's yes. too much. Um, however, uh, it definitely helps to have some of that questioning mentality. That said, I think even if you were to take, uh, I'm going to, given we're in the middle of the pandemic, I'm going to use Dr. Fauci as an example. Great like, example. He's a guy who, I guarantee you, if you came to him with new information on the current pandemic and you presented it to him, he is not going to dismiss it out of hand if it has some relevance to it. Mm. That's, that's the mental model of scientific thinking is, you know, there is no truth right now. There is, hey, based on all the current existing research, this is what we believe to be true. But yes. if new research comes along and disproves that, then we all have to update our way of thinking. And that, and that is the sort of the scientific method. So, you know, I think I speak for many scientists. Well, well hang on. I don't speak for any scientists yet. There are many scientists mm. who have been roundly disproven even within their lifetime or, you know, posthumously. And this sure. milk, you know, the dairy question that you posed here, it's a tough one because it's a multivariate problem. There are so many different things that are involved, genetics, um, right. you know, there's nature versus nurture, there's uh, different types of milk. There are so many factors that could affect uh, whether it's healthy or not for someone, like stage of life, um, for example. So I think, you know, you have to come to these, these types of problems with an open mindset of taking in all of the information, questioning judiciously, but not to the point where it's kind of like, I won't believe anything unless it is clearly 100% mm. true because there is no real 100%, you know? And, and mm -hmm. um, with the pandemic, we, we aren't at 100% on a lot of the things. Uh, like, um, Correct. I mean, even just this vaccine right now is the hot topic. <laughs> right. It's a super hot topic. I, I almost didn't want to go there because it, it's so uh, controversial. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah I, I mean even with the vaccine, the people who made the vaccine, if they got new data that showed them for some reason it was unsafe or something like that, they would update their mental model and say, hey, guys, like <laughs> we have new information. And so we're going to change the way that we're thinking about this. And, and that, that really, in terms of this, to bring it back to this idea of truth, um, it's it sort of, I think it is really important that people stay open to new information mm -hmm. and also hold on to the ability to critically think for themselves uh, hmm. and how does one cultivate this ability? Like if you were talking to a friend of yours who was just so 2020 has been a year of mass confusion and almost as if we've been, uh, we've pierced the veil of reality. It almost feels like a, rea a distorted yeah. reality, uh, like a, like a glitch, like right. a glitch in the matrix kind of year. And so you have a lot of people that are just overwhelmed and confused and don't even know where to begin. So like, what is the proper methodology to, again, relearning how to learn, how to think, how to make decisions without getting overwhelmed? And you're going in that direction, but I just wanted to, to kind of think about this person who maybe doesn't necessarily have the background in academia, but needs to survive like mentally, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's tricky. And it depends how far you, you go down the rabbit hole of 2020. So, um, for example, right, I, I grew up in the scientific system and that's how I was trained. And so I, I do trust uh, academic institutions largely. Can they have their faults? Are there bad actors within them? Absolutely. But at, at the core of it, I think these institutions exist for like the good of people and ultimately the truth will surface. Mm -hmm. Or again, the, the sort of the current truth until new information comes along to disprove it. So, um, you know, we actually, this was one of the first blog posts I wrote at my company because it was a topic that I, I, I care deeply about. I think, especially in the health and wellness category, um, there, it is so hard to sift through information and find um, what is reliable, what is truthful, um, or even what's relevant, you know, to, to yourself. And um, I think the, the blog post we made had, five or six links on it. And mm -hmm. I think all of them were to either nonprofits or government institutions. Um, I lean heavily on the UK because, uh, you know, we have this national health service over here and 
I, I, I deeply respect the people that work in it. I have many friends who are, who are doctors and uh, contribute to the system. And so mm-hmm. there are some really good resources to keep the population healthy and to keep them you know, abreast of, of most current information. Um, so that definitely made an appearance. The other, I, I view kind of one of my favorite resources is something called the Cochrane Report. Uh, mm-hmm. And you mentioned like meta-analyses at the beginning, um, systematic reviews and meta-analyses. The Cochrane Report is um, a group that basically looks at all of the academic literature available for a given topic mm-hmm. and kind of does their own review of the reviews and of the primary research Ooh. data. And they they only have like, you know, peers within academia who are, um, you know, very skilled and, and have a lot of experience. And I think the quality of work that they output is very high. Is now, a private company of some kind? You know, it's a good question. I, I think it's probably a nonprofit. I'd have to, yeah. I'd have to check, but um, cool. yeah, it's it, it certainly, I don't think they make money. So mm. wow. I, I would assume nonprofit. Wow. I mean, in this day and age, um, organizations like that are invaluable, especially, yeah. Uh, I mean, just that, that, that's why I'm so inspired by the space that you're in, because I don't think that there is one that can be more, um, it's not necessarily that it's controversial. It's that there are so many incredible studies that are counterintuitive or that, uh, reverse one another. And it happens within weeks of the previous ones. And that can be very challenging for a person to wrap their mind around. But also we find the same thing happening in the world across every spectrum. And so what I often, sometimes it's overwhelming. Like I'll, I'll myself, oh, I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah, as yeah. soon as we latched onto something to create a, a sense of certainty, there's uncertainty. And so um, not to get philosophical, but might as well, you know, there is this component to all of this where uncertainty is the stable ground actually like the not knowingness that a scientist lives in um you referred to it as almost like a like a constant level of cynicism that's available to use is the default state you know do you think science as as a method uh has its shortcomings and that there's something more at times that that you wish was available you know i i think the 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 scientific method at a sort of uh, primary research level, I think is very strong and it may not admit to its um, sort of shortcomings enough or, or trumpet them loudly. That's really a secondary mechanism. So that's the funding system that supports the research. It's the peer reviewed journals and then the, uh, the way that the journals are distributed and paid for so that the research gets talked about but you know let's say for example we funded a study on um this dairy problem that we talked about and uh whether dairy is healthy or not and let's say we found out that like in a very small subsection of this 1000 person study that we did like five people you know had a really strong bone density or something like that mm-hmm. some really positive outcome the headline would say dairy is good for bones and it would ignore all of the other results and most people because they don't have the training to look at the you know at the study itself or the time even to look at the study they will just see the headline and think oh okay dairy is really good then you know next week like you said yes. something else comes out says dairy is really bad and that's that's the problem that, that leaves everyone flaw spinning originated in academia or is that of actually a flaw of capitalism or the system mm-hmm. that funds you know i mean there's a lot going on there um yeah, that spins these things in the wrong direction. It's a good question. I, I think, um, and I'm not anti-capitalism, but there are <laughs> its flaws as well, just like there is in science or academia or politics or anything. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm very supportive of public funding for scientific research, um, and at the same time, without some of the privately funded scientific research, mm. we wouldn't have many of the discoveries that we have today. Many 100%. of the, those advances. So. It, it is, to, yeah, in a way, I guess you could say there is a flaw to it there. Um, but it's a sort of a flaw that we have to live with if we want to continue progressing and, you know, discovering 100%. new things. 
at the pace we're currently doing it. I, I wonder, you know, if we were to just break that, and everyone wants to break everything these days, but <laughs> <laughs> if we were to just look at it with a fresh lens and we were to create a system that was as removed of its biases, of its ulterior motives, uh, of the marketing spins that might come as a result of a study, how would something get set up to be in that space of the narrow path where it's like, yes, your perspective is true. My perspective is true. Your genetics are a factor. Hers are a factor. Then there's also this other side of like, there perhaps is a fundamental path and truth as well. But where is that narrow path in that world of if we really wanted to apply the scientific method to things and uncover the truth of something, I wonder what system we would set up, what way we would set up. Is it is it public funding or no, it's not public funding because that also comes with its whole host of ulterior motives. You know, what is the right, right. is it is it is it just all private enterprise and allow the the market to kind of correct itself over time? You know, I don't know. I yeah. haven't sat, <laughs> I'm curious if <laughs> it's you, tough. I, I think like the, it, it's such a big question. I almost don't want to tackle the whole thing at once, but I'll, I'll give an example of why I think, you know, a private only solution that, that is, you know, funded based on, on private interests may not make the most sense. And it, and it, again, this is not something I spend a lot of time thinking about. So sure. it's fairly off the cuff. Um, yeah. That's my disclaimer. But um, <laughs> if I, if I look at specifically nutritional and sort of supplement um, kind of studies, often what happens is, uh, a company will develop an ingredient or, um, yeah, usually let, let's start there. So a company will develop an ingredient and they will want to do a study in order to market that ingredient. And the other thing they do is they want to do that study so that they can sell the ingredient to brands that make products with that ingredient. Mm -hmm. And those brands can then claim the benefits from the study. And in order to, so, so that's really like the, the core of this idea of like privately funded products. When that study is set up, they are not looking for a negative effect. They're looking for a positive effect. Correct. And so already the outcome of the study is somewhat biased. They're going to say, oh, it had a positive effect or it had no effect. They're not going to say, oh, it actually had a negative effect because <laughs> they're not measuring for yeah. it. They're not looking for it. And that's where, you know, I worry if it was all private, you know, you'd end up with companies just like, okay, cool. We're going to get some random ingredient. Or like take something that already exists, call it something different, fund it's a study. Like seeing everything through the lens of the glass half full and only yeah. the benefits that we want to see, which there's a power in, in your personal life, but when you're <laughs> when you're seeking truth objectively, that becomes really sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Very risky route to go down, I think. So mm -hmm. I mean, again, like huge question to tackle, but that that's something that sticks out to me that that not enough people think about is like how is this study designed were they yeah. looking for positive and negative effects or mm -hmm. just positive so so i'm so glad you brought this up and i know these are big questions these are the questions i sit and think about all day long that's why like, all right i gotta have john on i literally bring this up to my friends all the time that exact statement you just said i said why aren't people realizing that the way these studies are, like if I simply, even outside of the private world, like even within academia, this is a problem. Like say I grow up in a certain way, in a certain type of household, I have a certain experience and I believe through my experience that um, a certain type of food is bad because it gave my mom cancer. Right. And I am going to commit my life to proving that. I'm going to be successful. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to find a way and I'm yeah. going to conduct enough research in enough uh variations that I'll eventually reach that point most likely. And that is something that is not discussed. Like I can have any hypothesis I want. <laughs> no one can stop that. And so there is this inherent flaw at times in the system that is um that begins at the root of human emotion, actually, that's driven yeah. by our own individual wants and needs and desires and vanity and ego drives a lot of this. And I don't know what the solution is, but I know that we as human beings that need to learn how to think and operate need to be aware of that and it's not discussed. And the last thing I'll say about that, that example is, Outside of politics, 
I think academia is one of the most difficult places to be honest. There, it contains just as much of a challenge to uh, realize what are the factors that are moving me in the direction that I'm moving to create the outcomes that I want. There's a lot going on. It's like working at Google, you know, there's just bureaucracy everywhere. And it's just like any other industry, but it's just, it's challenging to be honest. And we should acknowledge that and support these people and these change makers and make it easier for them to do so. That's something I believe. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, well, to take your example of, you know, like trying to prove a certain thing, I, I hope that if you know someone is going down that path, the the sort of the beauty of science is we're always open to new inf- new information. And someone else is on a parallel path researching similar yeah. topics, and they might say, "Hey, like I, I see your data. Here's the data I got. Let, let's all redo this study mm. and see if you know uh, one outcome is right or wrong, or maybe both can be true at the same time." Right? That mm-hmm. that is a possibility, especially with something like cancer, where usually there are loads of different variables at play, and and it's that's what makes nutrition studies and some disease study is so difficult is like a controlled environment isn't realistic. It's not, there's, there's yeah. so many things going it's on. It's like climate change. How are right. we supposed to, what controlled environments? <laughs> like a lot of different things how? moving there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. It's very tricky. Another one that no one talks about. It's like, we're just taking things at face value, but I don't have another planet to go do this experiment on. Yeah. I just, I just don't. Yeah. Well, one, one area of, I mean, this is a, a tangential, I thought, but um, one area I'm always intrigued by is people, I think it happens a little bit less in academia than it does in sort of uh, privately funded research and technology companies where, you know, someone might devote their life to uh, making, let's say, a new type of battery. And Mm -hmm. they might spend 15, 20 years uh, saying, okay, like we've got lithium ion, I'm going to work on, uh, man, I'm forgetting now the the other option. (laughs) There's another Mm -hmm. metal-based battery that... um, you know, someone somewhere, probably many people are investing years of their life into improving. And someone else is working on a different technology. One of those technologies is going to completely obsolete the other one before it mm. even finishes. And, and that whole, like, I think that is something that causes people not to want to take those long-term, you know, life goals as the pace is so fast now. By the time you, mm. you find some outcome, someone else comes along and is like, hey, cool battery that has, you know, double the capacity and half the weight of what we have now, we've got triple and a third. So, you know, you're overnight, a lifetime of work is just done. And I can't imagine what that must feel like. And I wonder what the checkpoints should be when someone's going down that path. How can I find out if someone else has like a more promising technology or definitely can't have have your your head in the cave for too long you can't stay in the dungeon for too long yeah you kind of have to what's what's going on out there check check the patents yeah (laughs) um and things like that well speaking of you know um working on something that really shapes an industry like let's talk about hydration like i'm really curious about how all of that works the first thing that comes to mind for me is like I think at a very, very surface level, I understand and people understand why they should be hydrated, but probably not to the depth that you do. So what is going to happen to me if I'm not, I don't want to say dehydrated, but what if I'm not properly hydrated? In, In other words, I think a better way to say it is, well, what are the benefits of being fully optimized in terms of my hydration on a daily basis? Yeah. So, um, I'll I'll kind of step back and and go into this from biological kind of first principles. So your body is constantly optimizing all kinds of different things uh, about you. So your temperature, your blood pH level, your hydration level, um, you know what concentration of of sodium is in your blood. Although that mm-hmm. one is also linked to your hydration level. Again, lots of multivariable things going on in your body at any given time. Um, your glucose level, that was, you know, something I was trying recently was a product where you could measure your glucose level. And it is just amazing to see how your body without you ever thinking about it is constantly correcting these levels of, of whatever it may be in your body. Hmm. Um, and so with hydration, hydration is one that the body doesn't have the ability to just like magically like, okay, let's turn up the hydration using all these systems. Ultimately you have to drink water in order to get the water into your body. Mm -hmm. And Um, when you are super dehydrated, 
there are issues, you know, you probably need to go and see a doctor. When you're, what, what we talk about at our company in terms of this idea of being properly hydrated is, is really about helping your body stay inside of the, the sort of optimal area so that it's having to do less work of optimizing constantly, you know, how much mm. water and electrolyte content um, is present in your blood and in your cells so that you feel good. And feeling good is, you know, fairly nebulous. And I think uh, everyone else in the hydration space, I'm sure, would agree with me that communicating what does being properly hydrated feel like yeah. is really difficult. It's, it's super challenging. And, and our product is a food, not a supplement. So we're not able to sort of make large claims about the effects. But I mean, largely, and again, I, I will lean on the uh, good old National Health System or National Health Service in the UK's uh, website, the symptoms of dehydration are fatigue, headaches, um, you know, tiredness, dry skin. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a long list and dizziness, fainting, you know, it really is a spectrum though, in terms of like how dehydrated you are. Mm -hmm. So what we as a kind of team at hydrant have felt and what, what I have felt, I guess easiest way of doing it is just speaking through my own lens here, because I was the one who decided this was something I wanted to pursue is hydration is something that feel when you're like slightly dehydrated and you hydrate properly, you feel an energy and it's not like a caffeinated energy where you're yeah. buzzing. It's like an internal energy. It, it sort of comes from within. I know again, like sounds kind of nebulous and weird, right, but right. that's, that's really, let me, let me use one analogy. This is one that I like to use cause I, I'm like a something of a car guy, but mm. it won't land for everyone. But in a way, hydration is like traction control. It just like, it's the thing mm. that keeps you on the road without it. If you're like, let's say you're driving in the snow without it, you're all over the place. But if you have mm. it, you are super grateful to have it. And you laugh at like everyone else who hasn't discovered this secret <laughs> of, you know, quattro or whatever it may be. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How, how would a person um, establish a baseline of where they're actually at? Am I properly hydrated? I don't know. I actually don't know if I am. Yeah. How would I establish well, that? There are some there are some companies that are working on like interesting products that measure it real time, um, and I'm excited to see you know who comes out first with one that is you know price friendly to a regular consumer. Yeah. Um, but if you were to go to a doctor, what's weird is there are a number of different ways they would try and tell if you were like like what your hydration level was, but there isn't one that's considered a gold standard. And again, this is something I've read a ton of academic literature on. Probably wasted too much time doing so. Like they can take blood and measure the osmolarity of the blood. So this is a measure of the concentration, mm. how much liquid to, to uh, dissolved content is in there. Um, they can sort of do a test whereby they measure the osmolality of your urine or the specific mm. gravity of it. Um, honestly, though, the easiest way is to look at the color of your pee. Mm -hmm. It's um, a difficult thing for us to talk about because we make it a thing that you drink and you know anything that people consume, they don't necessarily want to think about the, the process of getting rid of it. But uh, mm -hmm. the color of your pee is something people will use in a hospital. Doctors will use it. It's a really right. quick way of understanding like, hey, is something wrong here? And so you know, what you want is this straw color, <laughs> like not too yellow, mm -hmm. not too clear, like, but, but a little clear. Um, mm -hmm. and anything that is beyond sort of yellow is in the danger zone. And you really want to go and see someone about that. Hmm. Um, so, so that's the simplest way. Got it. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I've approached it because I, um, I'm about to, uh, be a big, uh, hydrant user, obviously after talking to you, I have approached it in the sense of, can you explain this basic relationship between the amount of water that a person consumes and making sure that there's enough sodium, aka salt in the body. One of the things that I've done up until now is I get up in the morning and I just grab uh, real salt from Utah and uh, it's just a, a form of sea salt and I right. just, boom, or I mix it in water with some lemon and first thing to make sure I get going. Um, is that good? First of all, and, and what's missing, like what, what else are you including that you're like, those aspects are also necessary. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that was a, a few questions in one. So course, correct me if I go, if I go too off base, no rambling here. so, um, let's start with sodium and the role that it plays 
kind right. of why it's important. And then I'll talk a little bit about, you know, why doing that thing you're doing in the morning with the salt, the water does make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then why hydrant makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so to start with, sodium is one of the, it is the most abundant electrolyte present in your body. It's in every cell. It's involved in so many different processes in your body. The main one being sending nerve signals around your body. Mm-hmm. Um, it is literally involved in the nerve cells and it is involved in the, what's called an action potential. So like just moving my finger, there's a signal being sent from my brain. Sodium is involved all the way down that nerve to mm-hmm. get to the finger and back again, telling my brain, you know, okay, the finger stopped moving. Um, so it's crucial. I won't go in more into how important it is. Um, but it's also present in your blood in a pretty high concentration. And so when you drink water, you're just putting water in and your blood sort of dilutes effectively. Now your body immediately is on that trying to like balance things out again, Mm -hmm. all kinds of signals are being sent. Um, but both for sodium and for water, it's not like you can just magically create some inside your body. You need to consume them once you've gotten rid of them. Mm -hmm. And so the main way that your body is going to get rid of sodium and water is through urine and sweating. Those are the two main mm-hmm. ones. And in both cases, sodium is the number one electrolyte that is lost, particularly in sweat. There's a very specific ratio of sodium to other electrolytes and water that is mm-hmm. lost when you sweat out. Um, although that, that ratio does vary person to person. Um, and so when you, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of turn it towards your um, morning use case. When you're asleep, for example, and this for us really was kind of an aha moment, Mm-hmm. Both for our market, both for, for creating the product and for our marketing, uh, and that was kind of like where things came together. So when you're asleep, at any given temperature, mm-hmm. uh, when you're asleep, your body is. Wait, hang on, <laughs> I'm butchering this. My brain is. It's pretty late here in the day. Um, so your body will sweat more when you're asleep at any given temperature than it mm-hmm. will when you're awake, right. and your body also needs to cool down to save energy while you're asleep. That's something that, you know, everyone's (laughs) been doing for millennia at this point. Um, And so sweat is probably the the easiest tool your body has available to quickly cool itself down. Mm. So you get rid of water along with sodium, potassium, and some other minerals onto your skin. The water evaporates, that cools you down. And so this process is happening throughout the night. You're breathing. When you breathe, you also lose water, although you Mm -hmm. don't lose electrolytes. Um, And so... By the time you wake up, you know, maybe it's eight hours later if you're able to get the full eight, mm-hmm. um, you've lost a ton of water, but ton. Yeah. you won't notice it because it's all dried, hopefully, by that point. Yeah. And um, you probably feel a little bit dehydrated, but because we've all been conditioned to think of coffee as a morning drink, we are like, huh, I'm a little tired. I'm a little groggy. I probably need some caffeine. Yeah. So you reach for that coffee first thing. Which makes bam. it all worse. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, exactly. So, so you, you reach for the coffee and you think, cool, I'm back on course. Or maybe you've heard hydration is good. And so you drink a cup of water first thing, right? which right. is good, but water alone uh, and, and this is kind of getting into where the process we leverage at Hydrant to make the product more effective. Water alone is absorbed through osmosis in your gut. So you drink mm-hmm. it, it passes through your stomach, gets to your intestines. Some of it's going to be absorbed there. Some of it's going to travel through your digestive system and be absorbed uh, in your kind of lower intestine. Mm-hmm. What we do is by adding a little bit of sugar, the right balance of electrolytes, and, and like it's really a sort of high and balanced electrolyte content. So you need quite a bit of sodium, a bit mm-hmm. of potassium. We have magnesium and zinc as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you need the electrolyte content, you need a little bit of sugar, and you need the osmolality. So again, we, we talked about that. It's the concentration of the solution to be lower than that of your blood mm-hmm. because that naturally makes the, the osmotic gradient, water wants to move into your bloodstream right. naturally. And so mm-hmm. we are kind of pulling these levers effectively in your digestive system to move the water into your blood faster than if you didn't have a little bit of sugar and those electrolytes present. Hmm. Um, and so, yes, drinking a water first thing in the morning is always going to be good. But if you drink something like a hydrant, you're going to feel the effect that much faster and be able to just get on with your day. And that's really this kind of optimizer piece. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you mm-hmm. want to spend 
an hour or two waiting to you know feel the difference or do you just want to get on with it and yeah we found yeah. A, a sort of a place for us in helping people feel good fast right oh it's wonderful so obviously having a, a glass of water great having a glass Always. of water with some salt better but yeah. we're missing magnesium we're missing zinc we're missing kind of the full package to get to the proper level of hydration let the body do what it needs to do that's right. Yeah. And, and potassium is, is really mm -hmm. the second one after sodium, to be clear. Magnesium mm -hmm. and zinc both play important roles, but potassium is the, mm -hmm. the sort of uh, yin to the yang of sodium. Like those right. two have a really close relationship and your body regulates them very closely. Got it. And this is something that um, I can have, anybody can have in the morning once a day safely. I'm not overdoing it by doing that. Like because I think what we often think about in this space is uh, sports drinks. And right. obviously with sports drinks, there's a tremendous amount of, of sugar, salt, everything going on to replace the, what we lost during exercise. But that's not really your approach here, is it? This is more of a, of a daily food, uh, as you would say, in the sense that this is something that we need to be doing on a daily basis. And I know you have different variations of the product right. as well. So how does that work? Yeah, no, so I, you're absolutely right. The way we have designed our product and the way that we talk to our customers is all about living a more hydrated lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so it starts first thing in the morning and that I think for us was a bit of an aha moment, realizing, okay, everyone thinks they need coffee, but if they drink our product, they're going to feel just as good and maybe they'll delay that coffee. We're not anti-caffeine, by the way. We have a product with caffeine. I can tell you just even without having used your product, just having salt, and water and lemon in the morning is like charging my battery, right? Yep. So that jump start that occurs actually does allow a person to not need the coffee for the 30 minutes or an hour and like yep. use a natural state of energy. I'm turning on traction control. So I can only <laughs> imagine what it would feel like with the potassium and everything else that, that your product has. So I absolutely agree. Even just subjectively, anecdotally, like I've fully experienced what it's like to not need the caffeine and get that natural boost of energy. Yeah, yeah. So the, the other thing that we spent a lot of time thinking about was how a lot of the products in our category that currently exist um, are either positioned more as supplements. Mm -hmm. So they, the idea there is that reactive and right. they are very, very potent. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's the kind of thing where you look at it and you're like, oh man, like, do I really need this? Like, is it bad That's enough? That's my exact question. Right. Yeah. I never think to use one of those because I'm like, I don't want to fuck up my body and put too much of anything in there right, right now. Yeah. So we, we designed the way we speak to customers, the way our product tastes even, and the formula so that not only is it safe to have every day, but you can have multiple a day. And as we've like built out these different product functions, so we have the energy product and immunity mm -hmm. product, and there's more to come, um, you know, it is totally safe for people to, to consume as they need, as they want to sort of change the way that they feel throughout the day. Um, and from a taste standpoint, like I, I love talking about this just because it is our biggest differentiator, I would say, is, you know, we designed it so that it's not gross to drink first thing in the morning. Mm. It is natural flavor, it, as in the, the flavor profile is, is super subtle, crisp and refreshing. And it's not like a, covered in tons of stevia or artificial sweeteners like mm. it, it just there's no weird aftertaste going on just really simple and so it doesn't feel like you're drinking something weird it feels like yeah. water with a squeeze of lemon in which it sounds Ooh, like you're send it over man <laughs> <laughs> no that's awesome and and there's another aspect of what you've done that is unique in that you have real cane sugar in there that's right um, yeah that is very different and what I'm wondering is, is that something that you've done because you know that's the right thing to do and for, for, the right, for the outcome and that it's an obstacle for people to overcome and you need to educate them? Or is that already the direction things are moving and it's the right thing to do and you're riding that wave? Like where yeah, do you find so, people? Yeah. So... I think first and foremost, like we are a very functional brand. Function comes first and a little bit of sugar really does help with that hydration process. There's this process in your small intestine involving glucose and sodium. If they're both present at the same time with water, you can sort of pump 
water molecules into your bloodstream faster. Mm -hmm. We kind of talked a bit about that earlier. So sugar is important there. I think when we kind of, when, when I first was, was pushing this approach to the formula, there was certainly pushback from people being like, why are you putting real sugar in? At this point, like everyone wants no sugar. Sugar has been demonized. And I mean, yeah, it's like the keto revolution has made it, you know, the enemy. Yeah. hundred percent. And so like, it was kind of a weird, and I would like to say bold positioning, although, you know, it's tooting my own horn a bit. I agree. Um, I'll I'll toot it for you, man. Yeah, it is bold. we, we We did something a little different. And what we found from our early customers was firstly, by creating a really functional f- product, you get the feedback loop where people actually feel the difference and they're able to say, oh, wow, okay, th- this thing actually works. And I like the way they speak to me. I'm going to continue to buy this. So that's mm-hmm. one piece. The other piece is like, I don't know that, I, I, I look forward to the day when non-nutritive sweeteners, which encompasses everything that is sweet but doesn't add calories, mm-hmm. taste as good as sugar or don't have any of the, the sort of negative externalities to them. Um, but we're not there yet, in my opinion. And so, uh, you know, sugar appealed to that consumer who was like, look, I, I don't want any stevia. I don't want sucralose, aspartame, et cetera. But I also don't need it to be super sweet. And that was a big decision as well. It was like, hey, we're not trying to be the sports drinks of the 90s right. here. We're just trying to make it like less sweet. And that's How okay. How much sugar are we talking about here? So like- our original formula had six grams per serving. Okay. Um, so it was 20 calories our Mm -hmm. kind of we've been through a few iterations of the formula our current formula uh is depending on the flavor three or four grams of sugar Mm. um so still in that 20 calorie range Mm -hmm. but yeah it's three or four grams of sugar and you know i've done some personal testing with some of these glucose blood tracking apps and doesn't have a huge effect you know that it's it's really on a low it's such a small amount that um, you're kind of flying under the radar, I guess, of your body's insulin response. Well, at the risk of oversimplifying, it's like you got to keep the functions of your body working as well. Like there's an aspect of that that it's like, uh, you know, keep keeping keeping that regulator awake and moving and yeah. responding is really important. If you're just in a constant state of ketosis, like, I mean, again, I, we're, we're go- that's a huge rabbit hole. A lot of people would yeah. argue that 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 is the optimal state, but. Um, no, I, I think there's tremendous value there. And so for those people that have like a fundamentalist viewpoint against sugar, is are you thinking that you need to do some, you know, objection handling in your education, your marketing and things like that? Because I think you could reach even more people and convert these people as well, right? There is the person, like you said, like, oh, I don't want the stevia. But what do we do about the person who, uh, is completely anti-sugar who doesn't realize what they're missing. Yeah. So, I mean, this is something that I, I have literally lost sleep over over the past few years. Um, it was a big question for us for a long time, but we, we've actually, I can tell you what we did because we've done okay. it. Um, so firstly, yes, there's a ton of ob- objection handling and education. The number one piece of pushback we got on all of our ads from not from customers, but from people who did not become customers. It was oh, yeah. always the sugar content. Yeah. And eventually it got to the point where we sort of we discussed, okay, what would a what would a no sugar added product look like? Do we want to go down that route? Because mm. sugar is I, I, I think of hydration as being a three lever system. You can pull, is sugar present? Yes or no? Is it does it have high imbalanced electrolytes? Yes or no? And is the osmolality lower than your blood? Yes or no. And if you remove the sugar, you still get two of the three levers, but you don't get the third. And from a marketing standpoint, it's like, well, how do you communicate to, to someone like, hey, this, this product is awesome. And here's one that is not Shit. quite as awesome, but like, it's still awesome and tastes good. And I think it's, it's a hard challenge. And ultimately what we decided was, hey, like someone who's decided that in their lifestyle, they don't want to consume sugar, or let's say maybe they're diabetic and they simply just, they, they want to enjoy a more subtle, less sweet product that allows them to like focus on hydration and build a, a really healthy routine, we should help them discover our brand by creating a product they can drink. And so we did. We went that route and we created a no added sugar version of Hydrant. Mm. It holds all the same product philosophies around mm-hmm. taste. It just replaces the cane sugar with a little bit of monk fruit, which mm-hmm. we think is sort of 
currently the best of the uh, yeah. non-nutritive sweeteners on the market. Um, and, and I love it. I think it's a great product. It's just, uh, you know, it's not the original. And, and mm. being the, the creator, I, of course, have a special place for the original lime flavor. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a tough decision. That's it really was. challenging. It was. And um, I, I can imagine how much sleep you lost over that. I mean, these are the things about entrepreneurship that people outside of the, the you know, they're in their walled garden, uh, don't, don't realize what it really takes to go out there and do something innovative and deal with that. Because like, do you know how many people in your position would have just been like, ah, fuck it. Like, let's just forget the sugar thing. <laughs> We're getting too many negative Facebook comments right. on our ads. Like, it's not worth it. Let's reformulate. The market doesn't understand. And, and you know, the fa- I, I'm just excited to hear that you um, found a way to uh, maintain the integrity of what you know the science is saying is the most optimal approach right. with hey, some people just can't, some people just won't, and maybe some people will change if we give them an entry point as well. Exactly. And um, that shows just a lot of maturity in your entrepreneurial approach to to navigate that. What else has been a major challenge that you've lost sleep over? I'm sure there's countless uh, things from Mm. supply chain to uh, fundraising to many, many issues, but I'm curious what has really been the big one and what you've learned? So I think in terms of, yeah, that's a tough question. I I should have like a pre-prepared one, but I don't. No, now Um, it's going to be a more real one. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be like, what's keeping me up right now? Yeah. I think for us, so so I've got a a couple. I'll start with sort of a more acute uh, sleep depriver. And then maybe if, if, okay. if it's interesting, we can talk about some more chronic ones. So an acute one would be, we decided we, you know, we, we had a certain level of scale. We had to move our supply chain to a new co-packer in order to do that. We were still really small. You have no negotiating power when you're a small startup. And basically you, you have to just go with whatever one of these massive co-packers says They're like, Hey, yeah. we don't use that you know, material supplier, we use this one, you need to use them too. And it's kind of like, uh, okay, we're not going to like cause problems here because they're doing us a favor by even working with us at this stage. Um, because it, you know, they're sort of taking a bet too. the size That's of the runs we were doing were meaningless to them. It was, you know, we're sort of an annoying fly compared to their other clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we, we followed the guidance and we tried this new material provider and we got samples. We, we did everything you're supposed to do. We checked mm-hmm. it. We're like, okay, yeah, this looks good. It feels good. And what came off the line and what the samples we got looked like were just wildly different <laughs> to the point where, I mean, I was heartbroken. Oh. It looked like our product. So again, like the, the, the powder inside was totally fine. It was all safe to drink, tasted the same. Mm-hmm. It was just the look and feel of the sticks went from being like really nice, sleek and premium to just sort of low budget, trashy yeah. kind of thing. And I was just like, man, are you kidding me? We just spent like a ton of our existing money on this. What are we going to do now? We, but one of our investors was like, guys, this is, this is real bad. You should probably just like shut down for two months and do it again with better outcomes. We're like if we do that, the business is probably over. Like there's, wow. There's just no way we can do that. So what we decided to do, given that the product was perfectly safe to consume it, just like it didn't hit our quality bar in terms of the aesthetic, which sounds so silly looking back. It's kind of like, it still does what it's supposed to do. Um, We shipped it. We shipped it to customers and we included a note that just said, hey, just so you know, like this is our new brand. Because we'd also, I I guess I missed that. We had changed branding and the new branding came on this like crappy packaging. I was like, oh, couldn't have been worse. Hmm. So we, we shipped the note just saying, look, we're sorry. Um, come back and get 25% off your next order and we'll have fixed it by then. Um, nice. It worked. It worked pretty well. We're still here. That was, you know, at this point, a couple of years ago. Wow. But uh, I think for a good three weeks, we were just like, how, how could this have happened? How could we have missed something? Did we miss something? Or are we just like playing with these big, big players and, and you know, we have to just roll with the punches until we get to a level of volume that we can control something. So that and then future supply chain type issues are usually the most acute ones um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, 
an ingredient is sold out worldwide. The, the pandemic was interesting for that. Uh, mm. And so because this ingredient you can't get hold of, it delays your whole process. You have an order from a retailer and you can't fulfill it. And it's just, man, it is stressful. You lose a lot of sleep doing what I do. <laughs> oh, I know. I know, yeah, man. Yeah. It's brutal. <laughs> are you in retail or are you going to be? We are, yeah. So so this was our kind of thesis all along was start direct consumer. Yeah. Get to know your customer really well, hone the product, um, and then go retail once you have a little bit of data and, and product market fit, ideally. Um, mm-hmm. So we're currently in Walmart nationwide, which wow. is huge and huge. scary, um, yeah. but you know, great. Um, we're in Whole Foods in the Northeast and, and various other kind of smaller retailers. Walmart is definitely the biggest by far, so that's the one I lead with. Um, and, and that comes with its own, you know, keep you up at night, scary mm-hmm. level of thing where I give you one example of that because it's fun. We, um, somewhere in our supply chain, a mistake was made. Um, and the result of that mistake was that we had to coordinate 47 individual shipments across the U S to the various different warehouses that were expecting our product in order to hit our launch date at Walmart. It was, I mean, the day I I found out, I was like, wait, you guys are serious. We're sending 47 different trucks from one warehouse. It was it was wild, um, but oh we did it. God. We did it, and uh, you know we've lived to fight another day. So yeah, it, it's yeah. fun. It's definitely fun looking back on all these little things. Is that is that where the energy one came from? You, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna no. need some of that, man. We're Look, probably gonna need like an anti-anxiety yeah. one. Yeah, like ooh, <laughs> I like that. A little calming one. That would be nice. Yeah. yeah, you have a scary vision for all of this. You know, something that uh, you're pushing yourself to to even acknowledge as a possibility. I don't know that it's scary. You know, I, I think like the the approach we're taking is, I mean, I, I'm going to call it incremental, but it's not like opening Walmart doesn't feel incremental. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is a whole beast that we've never dealt with before. And people are encountering our brand in different places. I think like, you know, we, we've been building a system. It's a system that helps people, it, you know, we're a lifestyle brand. We, we make products that help you to live in a way that feels healthier and makes you feel good throughout the day. And we started with hydration, we added energy, we've added immunity, and like there are more products to come. And I'm excited to help like fill out your day with different things that can change how you feel. And mm-hmm. I think like our approach is water is always good. I'm not here to be like, you must drink our product or you'll die. Like that's not the case. Yeah. But if yeah. you're looking for an edge, or you know, if you if you want to slightly change the way that you feel at a certain part of the day. Um, we'll probably in the long run have a product for that. Mm. Uh, and it's going to be really intentionally thought through. We're not just going to try and shill, you know, yeah. supplements. That's, that's not the, the goal. We, we want to solve real problems. I think that's extremely clear from this conversation that that's not your goal and that there's a massive amount of integrity here, man. Um, I think that's what a lot yeah. of people will, will get out of this. And, you know, you look back on this in a few years and I think that that, that, that becomes even more, um, clear. Do you ha- personally have a, a, a vision of success though, or an exit of some kind that you're looking for? Are you looking to, obviously now that you've started fundraising and, and raising venture capital, that right. is kind of in the, in the plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the cards. Um, you know, I, I think I'd be foolish to say we weren't, you know, at least aware of what an exit could look like who an exit might be to. Um, but candidly, you know, we're in the trenches that yeah. as soon as you t- take your eye off the ball and start thinking about, you know, oh, well, how, how would life be different if you yeah. know, we exited and, you know, from a financial standpoint, life is very different. Um, you, you're no longer solving problems for customers. And mm. we do try and uh, really stay focused on that piece both on, on growing the business, but for me, and I think like the way I split, um, you know, kind of duties with my co-founder. Jay yeah. I was curious. Is, yeah. What, what your so, role So is. I, I really am product brand and supply chain roll up to me. And then he's more on the fundraising and revenue generating side. So retail and growth marketing. Um, and so for me, like being close to our customers, and reading all of the reviews, but the most satisfying moment of my day is when we get a review that just nails it. They nail 
the fact like, okay, you guys have figured out this problem and your product solved it for me. It's like, perfect. I like my mm. day is good from there on. And you know, the early on the negative reviews were crushing, crushing. They exist, you know, they're yeah. out there. Um, yeah. but I think I'm at the point now where I realize you can't please everyone from a taste standpoint and uh, you got to just roll with those punches and, and you can make the product better with them. All feedback is good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. This has been incredible, man. Um, do you have any closing thoughts that you want to close out with or any way, obviously people can, can support the brand by going to drinkhydrant.com. But I'm curious if you have any closing thoughts in general across anything we've discussed. No, man, this has been awesome. I, I, I don't know what I expected to be talking about, but I really enjoyed our, our journey into science and truth. Um, and I appreciate you letting me nerd out on hydration for a little bit there too. Yeah, absolutely. Please let me know how I can support in any way. Um, we'll make sure to include everything we talked about, whether it was the science or product stuff for people in the show notes. And um, like I said, we'll get the video out as well so people can... Uh, can see the magic that we created as well. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, Alman. Take care. There it is. My conversation with John. I hope you enjoyed. That was awesome. Uh, very surprising, right? I, I just really enjoyed that. And it makes me think that perhaps uh, with the right people, it does make sense to have uh, even those that I may not have been familiar with in the past to have them on, to jam with them, to flow with them, because that was super, super cool. And obviously, as you guys can see, Man, John is a really cool, intelligent, sharp, brilliant dude, and uh, he's making making changes, making things happen in the world, and helping humanity one person at a time. So thank you, John, for being on and for your honesty, and uh, just, just keeping it real. Um, that's it, guys. I'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.